Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Joe Schmo Sports Show. You're here with Clint, Dom, and Dre, as usual. And today, we have some incredible guests coming in the show, some very accomplished athletes, very pro athletes, former, because you haven't right, you haven't competed in a while. No, right? last time I competed was October 2016 in okay. China. And okay. Actually, I haven't ridden in... 15 months yeah we'll get we'll talk to we'll talk about that too (laughs) so we have mr josh perry a former pro bmx athlete and miss jackie laura sella i'm not butchering that no okay all right cool we're gonna we're gonna just talk about pick their brains about professional sports and see what they've learned and what they've had to overcome and josh's story is incredible and jackie has been there for a lot of it hold on time out jackie you're a professional athlete too yes um, or performer, professional athlete? I would call it like an elite level athlete. Elite. Professional like in it. a sense that I had sponsors. and Elite like, sounds better. Yeah, but I was like a two-time <laughs> U.S. national team member for Taekwondo. Okay. Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yep. So, so don't pick a fight. Yeah. Got it. Don't <laughs> fuck a with bit of a ninja. Jackie. <laughs> a little bit of a ninja. I'd say yeah. you're an elite level ninja yes. from what yes. you just said. Yes, yes. Yeah. So how are you guys? Doing fantastic. Yeah. We're actually getting ready to to move, which is yeah. sad news. Sad news. The new relationships I've been building yeah. in the last few weeks. But for us, it's great because we just had this realization about a year and a half ago when I was like, oh, BMX doesn't dictate where I live anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have to live here to train. And then my family is up north and I'm not trying to move to the northeast. No. I don't think Jackie will survive. Uh, no, I won't. It's too cold. <laughs> it yeah, is. It's yeah. just, it's not worth it. Yeah. And then her family's in Florida. So I was like, well, let's be near family. Mm-hmm. Why not live on the beach? All right. Yeah. All right. So where nice. are you going again? So it's the Daytona Beach area. Got it. It's a little bit mainland in a little city called Port Orange where okay. I grew up. Yeah. So it's nice. Just, terrible. Yep. Moving, moving back, back home. home. And it's not terrible at all. Like yeah. we're going to be 10 minutes from the beach. Mm. Like it's an hour away from Orlando, mm. three hours from Miami. Like it's a really great central location. Nice. Yeah. All of that sounds great. Mm-hmm. I love the beach. It's my happy place. Same. And yeah. I hate that it's like a huge ordeal mm-hmm. in North Carolina. And I say huge ordeal and everybody's it's a weekend or it's an hour it's a, and a half. It's, it's a not a trip. big deal. Yeah. And like for me, I'm like, that's too much. If I have to pack a cooler yeah. and like a suitcase and everything, like it's, it's way too much for yeah. me. Yeah. So just throw a cooler in the Jeep or whatever. And just keeping a bathing ass. suit and a yeah. towel in the back of my car. And then if I have Goals. a fair hour, like mm-hmm. I go and hang out at the beach. I, I grew up in Virginia beach and yeah. that was, I had board shorts, my surfboard, my towel. All the time. Gone. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And you just leave it in the back of your car and then you're like, all right, I've got a minute. I'm going to go and hang out, you know, lunch break, whatever. That's the dream. Eventually that's like a retirement kind of thing for me. The the fact that I live so far from the beach though, Mm. it means anytime I go to the ocean, like as soon as you start to smell Mm. it, it just feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. And and you just like all the memories and all the good home feelings just start yes. come rushing back absolutely so I smell mean, of salt air yeah but the, the, <laughs> there is a difference though in going back to live right yeah yeah so. it's in florida it's nice because it's not the seasonal there definitely is a tourist season sure but it's not the way it is in north carolina mm. or virginia beach where in the winter months it's dead oh, or yeah. not From there or only Ooh. like 
weird locals that don't want you around anyways. <laughs> so it's and en- it's endless summer, like perpetual summer, and it's not super reliant on mm. the tourist industry. It's very thriving right. and busy, mm. even in the winter months. Yeah. So did you start your Taekwondo career there? I did. Yeah. So when I was growing up there, it was, I I started when I was about eight years old and my dad owns his own business and it's like a outdoor pest control business and where he used to go and pick up his like chemicals that he puts (laughs) on people's lawn was right across the street from this Taekwondo school. (laughs) And I had been doing like rec league soccer and I was very aggressive and he he essentially was like disciplined. Yeah. Like my seven year old is slide tackling people and I don't even know where she learned that. Mm. So genetic. Yeah. Between that and like all the pent up energy I had as a younger kid and getting recess taken away from me, Mm. he was like, you're getting chubby. We're going to put you in this sport and it's going (laughs) to, it's going to fix all of our problems. And then it just clicked. I started in July and my first tournament was in November and then I didn't stop for 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So U.S. national team. Yeah. So I made junior national team once and I went to junior world championships in Turkey and then I I made some like Florida based teams and stuff like that. If you won the state championship and then you went to this fight off, they would sponsor you or they would send you. I got sent to U.S. Open a couple of times, mm. with which is nice. So you don't have to pay for the flight sure. and things. Yeah. And got sent to some training camps down in like Puerto Rico. And then the second time I made the adult national, senior national team. And they took us out to Spain for the Ooh. Spanish Open. So that was really fun. Yeah. So why Taekwondo? Just because of the convenience of where it was and just that timing? <laughs> I think it started that way, but it just, it clicked for me so easily. Mm. It just, I was very natural. I didn't have to work very hard at it. And I think my parents noticed, okay, there's something here mm-hmm. and the excitement and the adrenaline and everything else. So in Taekwondo, it's fully padded, but it's also full contact mm. after a certain age. So once you're a black belt and you're over 14, you can knock each other out, and that means you win the fight. Uh, yeah, but I was you just don't... I was just gonna ask, was it, was it fighting competition? Because I've also seen that there's the show competitions as well, where I you're do doing do a that. routine no. and that sort of. Oh yeah, do I do not do okay. the second... choreographed show stuff. Yeah, exactly. And it's there's pumse or forms, and then sparring and. The second, my, my coach's rule, I came from a very traditional school. He essentially told me that I had to do forms at tournaments mm. until I got my black belt. And then I was able to make my own choice. And then after that, I was like, sparring, not doing it ever yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. It's like a weird gymnastics thing. You go and you perform in front of judges and they score it out of 10 and it's very subjective. And sometimes <laughs> I'd win and sometimes I wouldn't. It's just super annoying and very formal. You have to enter the ring mm, a very certain s- way. And some it's, people yeah. use different weapons. Yeah. Some people have this very slow. I mean, she already said she was Others aggressive. Ac- so we should acrobatic. We should have no, guessed it wasn't that. I did not have <laughs> yeah. the patience for that. Yeah, yeah no I, was, I was definitely kicking people in the face. Yeah, like, no, no, no joke. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. good. So good. normally, I know, like from everybody that I know that does martial arts, they don't just do one. You might not specialize in anything else but taekwondo. But what else do you do? What else do you practice? Um, I have done a lot of jujitsu stuff, some judo, a touch of Kung Fu. I tried boxing a little bit, but I don't like it. I don't like getting punched in the face (laughs) at all. Mm. And it's hard to just like repeatedly to, especially I have short arms and it was just not, it was not a good fit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like kickboxing. 
yeah mixed martial arts i've never i've tried it there's too many things to worry about mm. it's definitely a huge adjustment in taekwondo you're worried about people kicking you sure they kick you in the body they kick you in the head all of a sudden you get into an MMA cage or ring and you have to worry about them kicking you anywhere, mm -hmm. punching you anywhere, taking you down. It's yeah, just my brain game. feels Elba. like explode. Yeah. 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 Admissions. I could yeah. see liking it and mm -hmm. practicing it, but it would take a really long, it would take a really long adjustment. Now, do you still train and compete? I don't know. I retired actually in my last two years of college. It was because I studied to be an athletic trainer mm. and it's a specialized degree and they only let 25 people a year into the program and they don't even they suggest that you don't have a job when you <laughs> do it because you have to do 20 hours a week of volunteering on top of your class schedule which is a full class schedule volunteering for like the sports teams and mm -hmm. stuff like that okay. yeah so where'd you go to school internship hours at university of central florida oh, okay sure yeah, the fake national champions those guys <laughs> i i think y'all had a great I season that's all I know. <laughs> we had a good couple of seasons a very good but, couple you know, of seasons yeah. it's not like yeah. we were playing alabama but sure. i'm just saying yeah they've been solid though yeah no i yeah. i'm not hating at all yeah. like it was impressive i was there in 2013 mm. and to 15 where we had Blake Bortles and we were just starting to get good yeah. but that year is when that coach got booted and they put in the new coach yeah he was really good in college Blake Bortles yeah he, he was, was really great good in college, college. not yeah. so much in the there was a lot of quarterbacks <laughs> yes. but that's not what we're that's, talking that's right. about today right. that's true. <laughs> so did you, did you compete in college did they have a no I essentially or anything like that I wish that yeah. would be really some schools do and they have like collegiate teams and things like that do you have like a fight club then like an underground kind of thing <laughs> like meet me in my garage that's right. what we do on Saturdays that would meet me in the basement of the rec center right, right? that would have been really cool look I've got plenty of space here we I would have liked that been That'd awesome. Be yeah, I'll come yeah. to that. Yeah. So, Josh, you have like built in bodyguard. This is nice. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. She just tries to uh, attack me every now and then. She also takes care of you if you need it. Drop right. my phone so. out of my hand. And right. it shatters. Oh, that, it, it worked out okay. If you drop something, chances are she'll probably catch it before it hits the ground anyway because she is a trained elite ninja. Yeah, she's also clumsy. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, you stumbled into some of those kicks? I mean, my dad used to make fun of me for the same thing. I would run into walls and trip over stuff mm. in everyday life. And then he'd be like, you'd be like a duck in water in the ring. And then you'd step out. Like, I've. We were on a huge world stage for the junior world championships and the rings were elevated and it was live streamed and it was so cool. And there was like steps up to the ring. And after the it's fight, I won and it was great. And then I fell down the stairs. Oh like, my God. It was like graduation. <laughs> like yeah, tripping exactly. up the stairs on graduation. Like wow. just completely missed a step. Oh, and that's like, terrible. Yeah. That's my incredible. coach like caught me. And he oh, was well like, that's Are good. Okay. Is like, that common yeah. with athletes? Cause I remember being younger, like my mom would always make fun of me. She's like, you have better coordination when you're on your bike mm. than you do your feet. I think it's anyone that has ADD. Your mind's going a million <laughs> miles an hour. You're like, what, what am I doing next? So many things, but yeah. on my bike, I was, unless yeah. you're really focused then yeah. it's just, you're going to fall. I'm glad you brought up ADD, ADHD, <laughs> yeah. because I I'm didn't get diagnosed with that until I was an adult, mm -hmm. and when I was a kid about the same age that you went into Taekwondo, my parents put me into swimming, yeah. and I also reached that elite junior national team level yeah. as well with that, and it when I was swimming, I was hyper-focused, it was the only thing I had to do it to be able to get to sleep. I would practice before school, after school. Nowadays, you don't see nearly as many kids going into 
sports at that early age and mm-hmm. getting to those highly competitive levels because parents, the kids get diagnosed with ADHD and they start taking medication and they don't put them into sports to work yeah. off the energy anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And now kids, they're sedentary, there's more obesity, they stay at home, they just, they don't get out. Get handed an it, iPad. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think so, so much of that is suppressing people's like talent out there. Like, oh yeah, just I would agree. Medicating a child because my mom put me on Ritalin when I was in like fourth grade or mm-hmm. so for like maybe a couple months, and then she was like, "No, take them off." It mm-hmm. just turned me into a zombie. Mm-hmm. But then I've worked with Dr. Daniel Amen, who does spect imaging. Yeah. Um, so he diagnosed me with severe ADHD, but then he was like, "This is a super talent. This is this ability you have to focus on so many things, but then to be hyper-focused allows mm, you to yeah. do what you do upside down spinning within three seconds. Right. And so it's just, I think a perspective that most parents these days, and I'm assuming I'm not a parent, but I just, what I observe, mm. it's like the patience. It's annoying. It's just here, go do <laughs> yeah. something rather like, here's a medication. It's yeah. easy yeah. rather than let's put this into, put this energy into a sport yeah. like construct, or music. Like there, constructive. there, there is a benefit to the medication because you can utilize it in a targeted way. But you can't use it as behavior control. Yeah. Like it, it, it's totally okay, different. Targeted way, you need to study, you need to excel at these classes because this is part of mm-hmm. you growing and learning and achieving your potential over here. But then with the rest of your time, you need to be outside running. You know, my mm-hmm. son, who's got a pretty severe form of ADHD, he has this medication so he doesn't just completely shut down his classroom because his behavior can do that and that's even as a a seventh eighth grader but after school it's to the soccer field and he's competing at really high levels for ncfc Mm -hmm. that's how we balance it we're not trying to over medicate and utilize it for for behavior control but we understand that we have to just so he can function in the classroom but i don't know if that there's an increase in that nowadays because of devices always being in people's faces and it almost trains children but train children from a young age to need that high level of stimulation just to keep their brain focused exactly (laughs) because anytime they're away from the screen it's that the the change of behavior is we've seen it incredible parents of teenagers we've seen it well i see it in myself yeah yeah. i can't imagine as a child i think parenting has changed a lot too and it's just what like social norms are, I feel like everybody was in some kind of rec sport as a child when I was a kid. And now it's, oh, Timmy doesn't like sports. (laughs) And it's like, how does Timmy know he's five? Like, why isn't he playing soccer? Timmy doesn't know what's good for Timmy. (laughs) Like, try some t-ball, Timmy. Come on now. We've had all of our children in sports. Even if they just getting them into team sports and teaching them how to Mm -hmm. cooperate with other kids. Because Mm -hmm. if they don't, how are they going to learn that? And and so much of our modern workforce is based upon working in teams. If you haven't worked in teams as a child, how are you going to be successful at doing that as an adult? Mm -hmm. Or just discipline and being able to hold your focus even if it's bored. Are we doing this drill again? Yeah, you're going to do it and you're going to try your hardest. That's what's important. Delayed gratification, one of the biggest things I've learned through sports that I don't see enough today is like this sense of working towards something that you're not sure if it's going to happen or the outcome you want is Mm going to occur. But then you work and then you experience it. Yeah. I feel like that rather than it art return. has just diminished. Oh, it's all about instant return these mm-hmm. days. What have you done for me now? Yeah, exactly. You know, not even lately. Well, the, the other thing that I see is that, to, to your point, Josh, is that kids, if they're not immediately excellent at something, oh, yeah. they give up. There's oh, yeah. no... You see it in the transfer portal, bro. 
exactly there's there's <laughs> there's just no concept of hey i'm not any good at this now because mm. this is my first time doing right. it so if i like it and i enjoy it and i want to get better at it i need to practice mm -hmm. it they think that if i'm not good at it it's just something that i hate and i'm never going to try it again josh is doing that a lot lately yeah how's golf? that yeah oh yeah <laughs> to, to be fair one the the first thing that i ever learned from clint playing golf is hard mm -hmm. two i also hate golf and i don't ever really want to pick up a club again. for me is like when i find something that i'm interested in whether it be golfing or bowling yeah i get into it sure i start watching tutorials i spend a lot of time oh trying to learn it practice and then when i have a good round i'm like this is the best thing ever yeah. oh yeah and then when i'm putting the work in yeah. and then it just I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I just forgot how to do whatever it was. I get frustrated. And my friend told me the other day, he's like, well, that means you're getting better. Yep. Because exactly. I'm not Because you expect more. I'm just going yeah. out yeah. and going out. Well, it's, and, it'll, all it takes, Josh, is one shot per round. Oh, we talked and about it that. And it gets you yeah, first time. That's the first few times you go out. <laughs> but then if you only hit one good shot after about three years of playing golf, then you're just like, I don't ever want to pick these up again. it doesn't matter for me. Yeah. Like, I yeah. could go and just play terrible and yeah. then the 17th hole get one shot. And I'm like, we're doing this again. We're doing like, this next again tomorrow. Week, or tomorrow I can do it. or something. I like, can do it. I know I can do it. This is why I won't put myself through that. You shouldn't. It's bad. It's terrible. Don't lessons. do it. Don't my do dad it. got me lessons when oh. I was a teenager. I have clubs. Josh actually uses my bag nice. because yeah, my dad his got broke. And uh -oh. I'll go out yeah. to the driving range. I'll go play putt, but mm. you can't make me play a round of golf. Yes. Like you couldn't. He can't yeah. even bribe me. I need, I need to make you guys Presents, go out to the disc golf course because that, that's we're that's, going. We're yes. going Thursday next Thursday. Uh, so I have a question. Did you ever get hurt in competition? Yeah. Like hurt, hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some pretty severe concussion. Kicks to the head. Yeah, and they were, they're they were always by my coach was six four, <laughs> and like two hundred and fifty pounds, mm, nice. and he if I didn't have anybody else to work with, that was when I was still in college. Like he'd spar with me and get hit I, by a linebacker. Yeah, and I just backed it's up. More like and, a baseball bat, really. Yeah, <laughs> or like a tree. Yeah. It felt like I got hit with a tree, I you bet. know. <laughs> and I had a pretty bad concussion after that. And there was another tournament where I got worked i was it was my first tournament as an adult which yeah. is a div age division it's 18 to 32 years Ooh, old um, 18 to 32 18 to 32 that go from is, a child that, to grown-ass yes, folks exactly yeah. and that's fighting. that's a huge difference in strength what is experience yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. ring time is key in mm. martial arts so you like 32 it's oh and now i'm like 30 so i'm like they're not old guys but when i was 18 i was like oh i'm not afraid of these old guys these people. you know what i mean old but, yeah but they have 15 20 yeah. years of experience on you and i fought this girl Crafty. her name is sanaj shabazi and she's absolutely incredible and she cool cross trains in mma mm. and she she's made national team like 12 times okay so that's just 12 years more of national team experience mm -hmm. than even i had and she i was falling and she cracked me in the face Ooh. and i broke my nose and Ooh. i like remember I remember it and I watched it I, oh. recently. I found like all these old fight videos and I was like watching it. I was like, that's when I broke my nose. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Is it weird to watch your old fights? It's frustrating. Yeah. I get very like antsy and mm. on the edge of my seat. And mm. there's so many things I should have done in those moments. But I was the 
the type of person where my parents would record me on the old school yeah. video camera with the tiny mm-hmm. CDs in them. Like I'm aging myself, but that's what. Please. Yeah. You're talking to. I, I know. I was about to say my parents <laughs> like, had the big one yeah. with the giant like, seen, full-size VHS yeah. to set in there. It's like you ever seen Lampoon's Christmas Vacation yep, when he's wild the, on the reel in the attic. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we grew up with. <laughs> so I'm a good fine. company then. Yeah, that's I'm fine. a good company. But I would be in the I, car on the way home watching. How does it feel to watch yourself get knocked out? Oh, man, yeah. Okay, so I wasn't knocked out cold. And okay. technically, my no- I've never had a bloody nose before. So even when I broke my nose, it didn't bleed. So wow. I didn't know that it was broken. Oh, that sucks. Until I... Th- it didn't hurt? It hurt yeah. like crazy, and I had Imagine. black eyes. You're like, well, I just like, yeah. Face. yeah, but it's, yeah, you get rocked in the <laughs> yeah. face. And, but then <laughs> like, looking back, I'm like, man, I don't remember the end of that fight at all. Like, Can't I was so I've never been like knocked out where I was unconscious, but I've yeah. been out on my feet before. Yeah. Like, I've definitely mm. been walking and moving around and have no recollection of what happened in that time frame or what was that's, going on. That was, that's technically getting knocked out. Yeah, for, oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's getting knocked out. That's yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I was just listening to a podcast that Tyson did a couple months back yeah. before his fight, and he said that he could never watch his old fights because he knew that it would spark that Oh, I'm it gonna, makes me want to fight again every I'm gonna time get I watch back, it. I'm going to yeah. get back into it, and there's nothing you can do to stop me kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I was just wondering if it was that. the same kind of thing, because you say you were getting antsy. It's, yeah, so you want to get out there. You want to train. Yeah. And Yeah, okay. I just know, and I think it's the same with Josh. That sure. retired athlete, like, you mm-hmm. watch it, and you're like, I could get back into this, and I could do this, especially because we're both young. Mm-hmm. So it would be very plausible and very doable, but sure. I think, and he thinks about the time commitment for us but because we're not going to go and just compete in some local right tournament and be like yeah it was so like, fun. go bigger yeah exactly right. like we're gonna go out and i'm like i'm gonna go to the olympics if that's what yeah. i'm gonna do like, that's gonna be what, my goal this is gold. Yeah. I, right. I made a brief return to swimming in my 20s and i was like that too i went from oh i'm just gonna compete in a local master's tournament to I'm practicing twice a day for five hours <laughs> yeah. a day. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, exactly sure. what it turns into. But here's what you realize when you go back to that, even in your mid-20s and now you get, you're in your 30s trying to go back to that, mm-hmm. you realize that uh, your recovery time it's is way longer. Like so yeah, you are sore and tired all the time because right. you do not have the recovery of mm-hmm. a teenager with elastic limbs anymore. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, I don't. Like I, Roy Jones Jr. said that he he does everything by feel as far as training goes. Did you guys use like analytics or was that even around whenever you were doing fights? Were you watching your your opposition's fights and trying to we gauge start, like that? I started getting into scouting when I was in like my college years, mm-hmm. and my coach who is is still out there. His name's Toby Oliver. He was very big into that. He was very big into sports outside of Taekwondo. So he understood the importance of doing little things like that. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I'd ever done it. Yeah, I'd watch people fight if they were at the tournament or whatever. But in my head, I was like, I don't want any preconceived notions. I don't want, I'm good at adjusting. That's what I'm going to do. But for that, I, I had homework. I had to go and watch two international fights a week and take notes and they had to be in my weight division and they had to be in my age group. And but they, not your opponents necessarily. But sometimes, yeah. yeah. Like if I knew, oh, chances are I'm going to meet her if... Um, Learn tendencies. Like in quarterfinals. And, like I'm probably mm-hmm. going to see her in quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to watch her fights and pick everything apart and that kind of thing. Because it's really easy to have a game plan going in, but you only have six minutes. It's three two-minute rounds. It's fast. And it's... 
everything can change in a really short amount of time. Yeah, one kick to the head, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> one kick to the head, you're out on your feet. Or yeah, right. one bad call from a ref oh, or whatever, sure. and all of a sudden you're yeah. down by two and there's 15 seconds left and you have to like, you have to go big or go home. Okay, so explain, I'm glad you said something. Explain the scoring because that okay. seems points for... It's, it's a lot different now. And I do medical coverage for Taekwondo events now. Like oh, I'm going nice. to Vegas to cover USAT Grand Prix out there. Um, when am I leaving? The 10th, Thursday, <laughs> soon. Yeah. And it's very different now. So now... They're trying to make it a little bit more action-packed. The scoring's much higher. But before, when I competed, it was one point for a body shot, two points for a headshot. Knockout is a game winner. And if you would have to almost drop somebody with a punch in mm. order to score with a punch. Mm. And I was only I was one of the few girls that punched. Like, a lot of girls in my time, they didn't. But I think it's a great way to just yeah. mess with people <laughs> mentally. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I would... I was mean and I would do things like punch someone in the collarbone where I knew like the padding. <laughs> that would probably stopped, hurt you, you too. Know? No, you wear, we wear um, little like four ounce gloves. So it wasn't too bad. Okay. You could um, break somebody's collarbone like that. Yeah. No, I yeah. get it. Yeah, <laughs> that they're going to have to stop because yeah. they can't move. That's a win. Yeah. yeah. That's a win. That is for sure. Exactly. Well, all that is fascinating. Out. I did very little karate when I was little Ooh, and then got same. out of it because yeah. I started playing baseball. I started playing baseball and tennis. I was like, okay, this is cool. This is fun. I do think everybody should do it least a year of martial sure. arts. Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I did too. Super important. Yeah. I did well, too. I think everybody should do a year of waiting tables, but oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think just working in food in general. Yeah. Waiting tables, yeah, probably. Teaches humility. Yes. yes, no doubt. Yes. All right. So now Josh, now that we've talked to your bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. It's a it, almost a, a kind of a, a usual story almost of how you got into yeah. uh Taekwondo. It's like parents are looking for something for you to do as right. a child. How does somebody get into as opposed to that that's like a, like an established sport? Right. Get BMX biking. That's not something you can just go to a local club and sign somebody up for, is right. it? No. And at the time, it was just like a perfect timing of the sport being really popular on TV. ESPN was covering it all the time. All the major corporations were coming in. I was just listening to a podcast with Ryan Nyquist, who's 40-something mm -hmm. now, late 40s. And he still, he just stopped competing like last year. Now he's the Olympic coach for men and women. Okay. And he was just talking about it. He's like, back then, like Dave Muir and I had the same agent. So we'll be in practice on the deck and like our, our agent would come over. Hey, sign this, slap the sticker on. All right, go out, do a backflip, go whatever. <laughs> just like the deals that were coming around back then. It just, there was so much publicity. There was so much exposure because it was still new and it, it just came out of a big lull in the early 90s. The X Games started in the 90s, correct? Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that was, was, I think that's what helped pull it back out. Did you guys watch the X Games and stuff in the early 2000s? Oh, yeah. I, okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started I still I, watch them. I, I, I watched <laughs> them initially and then, you know, that, that was about the time where I was graduating from college and getting out into my career. So I lost track of watching nearly mm -hmm. as many sports as I used to. So, I didn't keep up with that. There's still I mean, some just, polarizing figures. Well, in, I just remember. I, I remember it, it when yeah. it first came out. Like the, I, I remember the first X Games back when they had like speed climbing, downhill. What they call it, like just skydiving, competitive snowboarding. Yeah, like back then. <laughs> yeah, then yeah, yeah, exactly. Sean White. A lot of interesting. Well, that was before any like of that. that was even in the Olympics yeah, or that, anything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So, but BMX was one of the initial sports that was involved with that. But the, even before. X Games, I think skateboarding and BMX and anything that could be done on a ramp that 
even rollerblading uh, got really popular yeah, so all popular. of a sudden and then you ESPN saw that and, and brought it into gained some exposure and then just started building momentum yeah. and then mm-hmm. X Games hit and then it was just like corporate sponsors media everywhere yeah these are athletes and then it just kept booming but, but how did you get into it so though? I got into it from when, when do you start playing t-ball like what grade is that like second grade yeah first like place? six yeah from when I was like six my dad still plays as many sports as he can at his yeah. age and so I was just playing everything t-ball i grew up in the bowling center we can't forget to talk about your bowling career (laughs) so i I just did everything possible because that was what was already in my family and then i got into skateboarding around 12 13 and rollerblading and that was when um cky like bam margera and all those guys were putting out those videos before it became jackass so skateboarding was like really cool video games and all that and then i saw bmx one day and i saw an older cousin of mine with Mm. his friends and i was like that looks cool. And I don't yeah, have to worry about cool. little pebbles flinging me off my skateboard. I can go <laughs> ride dirt jumps and like it's transportation. Sure. So I was about 13. I got like a real BMX bike for Christmas one year. And it just came from being exposed to sports and athletics and then watching CKY and Bam Margera and all those guys and then getting to skateboarding and then just BMX came along and then it just took over my life by the time I got into 10th grade. Man. Okay. So I got a, just got a quick question. So when you're young and you're riding a bike, your quads don't hurt. <laughs> but when you're old and riding a bike, your quads hurt. When did your quads start hurting? They started to hurt when I started training in the gym. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And which is not, it's more common now for action sports. Sure. Like, yeah. I, I didn't step foot into a gym and like with intention till when we met yeah. in 2016 Jeez. or so when I was going through or 15 when I was getting ready for my mm. ACL surgery. Mm. But yeah, no, what, what was interesting is the callus development on your hands. Oh, yeah, I, can I remember my first year riding, my mom would put thick layers of gauze tape uh, or gauze and then tape them. And then I put my gloves over it because it just hurt so bad. And I wanted to ride so bad. But that oh, was, nice I remember mama. one of the most painful things until injuries came. But yeah, my body, 13 years old, I sore. It's like nothing hurts. And yeah. then even even up until last year, my body would feel fine yeah. unless I had a heavy day in the gym or if I fell. And that's... It becomes an extension of them, yeah. right? The so bike, it's, yeah. yeah. Pain it's, tolerance sure. becomes elevated to the max where yeah. she'd be like, rate this. I'm like, I don't know, just annoying. <laughs> but like I have a broken rib or something yeah. or like a torn ACL. And I'm like, it hurts. Or but. when you bite the... Both sides of your tongue. Yeah. Oh, or the, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, so Dre wants to know what your first. It was a Haro. It was a lower end Ryan Nyquist complete called the Back Trail. Okay. Yeah. It was a green bike. Haro. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish I still had it? it. What's that? How long did you ride it? My stepfather rewelded it three I times. Say, I, I had it for two years, I think, mixing up the parts on and off. But yeah, I had the top and bottom tube of the head tube rewelded and then the seat tube on the top tube like where the seat and the top frame or top of the frame meet rewelded and then it got to a point where it's like all right doing chores making some money now i can get a new frame so did you so you just kept on reworking your bike if you found like a frame that you liked or whatever you would just keep like keep putting new parts on it if something was broken yeah as things break or bend or that's funny yeah you upgrade from the lower Mm -hmm. end and then when those start breaking when you're just trying to learn tricks then you're like all right my I remember my dad having to invest like 150 bucks into me getting three-piece crank arms for my pedals back then, which was crazy. If you had three-piece cranks at that age, you were cool. Mm. But they were (laughs) so much stronger because they weren't one piece where if you landed weird, they'd bend. You have to get a whole new set. It was like, oh, you could just take that out and swap it out. 
but it was just as I progressed, bike parts needed to progress as well because what I'm doing is a lot more pressure on them. They're braking, just trying to learn a trick, and then your bike's falling. You're throwing your bike mm-hmm. a lot more on accident, bailing out of tricks because you're progressing. So it just, over the years, I just got a brand new bike, but one thing at a time. Yeah. Every little piece of equipment on a bike is preferential mm. depending on athletes anything like from grips to the length of the handlebars sure. to so the diameter of the same grip sure. will have different diameter like exactly. it's just all about feel yeah. we had tommy de Blasi on here last or a couple weeks ago and he's the tire specialist for martin truex nascar mm-hmm. and he we they were saying the same thing about their cars they have a car that they like that they feel they'll strip everything off that's not usable down and throw no, new parts on it because they still like the body or right. the, the frame of it whatever it may be so it's interesting that you did the same thing so even yeah. when i got sponsored I didn't get new parts just to get new parts mm-hmm. because as things broke in, I preferred that feel. Right. And you get nicer. brand new parts. It's not broken in just the slightest bit. It feels weird. Yeah. So it was like, people were like, why don't you have five of the same bikes? Yeah. Like, because they all feel different. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, make yeah. sense to me. It's not the same I'll bike. I'll have spare frames, spare wheels, and things like that. But I just, I'd always have one bike and then just parts laying around. Even like their tires true differently. So like mm-hmm. the tightness of the spokes are actually like, People prefer different things. Like you all want it to be even, of course, but some guys like it a little bit more snug. When you get to that level of competition, though, those little things make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Even with me in bowling now, which is just a fun activity, I'm like maybe a year into bowling again since I was like 14, which comes from my walking away from BMX because of the risk to my brain. And then just also what we were talking about earlier, like I'm 32 years old. Mm. I'm very capable of competing at that level. Yeah. But I walked away for my own health reasons. Sure. And then when I still was lingering around without competing for three years, I was still doing the same tricks at the same level mm. every day and until to this day, training in the gym. So very capable. But it was like, I need to do something with this energy and competitive drive. But even getting into bowling of all things, like it's everything is a feel. Like the way the pitches are with the holes of the fingers, it makes your hands sit higher or lower and mm. it has this grip. Like everything for mm. me is feel. And it's just, I'm not even anywhere near competing in an amateur division. I'm just competing locally. But it's, it has to feel. You have that hyper competitive, yep. hyper focused, hyper focused yeah. mindset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's no minor competition for you no. it's all a major and, competition and that you i love individual win. sports yeah. it's all about myself it's mm-hmm. a competing yeah. myself when i'm on a team and there's four of us and then i show up well or they show up well and i don't or the roles are reversed mm. i get pissed off yeah i can dig that and even with golf like i have no desire to compete any which level of golf but i know what i'm capable of yeah I yeah. hit that one good shot. I expect it. Yeah. And I think I introduced you to my buddy, Jimmy Ferris. Yep. And I talked about this the other week of this delusional expectation of perfection. It raises your expectation to want to show up the best you mm-hmm. can, whether you're going to, your goal is to go pro or not. It's no, I just expect this out of myself for various reasons. What was the first trick you learned? You're doing like little one handers, one footers. But the first real trick I learned was a barsman. What does that mean? So you drop into the ramp and we had this bowl. So the corners were mellow. So it wasn't like a steep transition. So we had this thing where we come in to the bull corner and we drop in on an angle, we'd carve around and we go out the other corner, the other end. So it was like a mellower transition mm-hmm. and you hop up and you spin the handlebars around 360 degrees. So you let go, let mm. it fly. Yep. That yeah. sounds fun. So it's just bar spin. That was the first real trick besides one hander, no footers and combos of all those things. Mm-hmm. All right. So... X Games. I want to hear about this. 07, right? 09. 09 yep. was your first X Games. Yeah, my first pro contest was 07. Right. Yep. Because you won your first one in 
07. No, they won the 09. first contest April of 2009. Right, April X Games was June 2009. How was that experience? Because it looks crazy. Yeah. Like, it's, it's where was it, first of all? Uh, it was back out in LA before okay. they started moving around. I think they went to Austin for a couple of years, mm, Minneapolis. Too, didn't... For the summer one. Yeah, it was still in LA. Was um, this still an invite system? Like yeah, when you I mean, I got way? the email from yeah. Matt Hoffman, and I was just like, yeah, like, like, yeah. this is crazy. They invite Yeah, that was going to be something else. They athletes, used to have a yeah. qualification system, like they okay. called the X-Trials, and mm-hmm. you had so many, you get points, but then that kind of went corporate, kind of started going away in all the money and the contests. It was just like all the core BMX events, they'd have this system, a rating system with the the committee of the X Games, and they would just go based upon a performance that year. They'd invite, and then, you know, obviously, like, Mira was always invited, whether he mm-hmm. wanted to or not. They'd be like, hey, do you want to ride? <laughs> you know, yeah. There was obviously those, you know, legends, but mm-hmm. it was just based on your performance that year. If you were a new up-and-coming rider, like I was. The- Sound like Olympic trials, though. Yeah. It's more about driving viewership, so it's, it is a popularity thing. So... This is what my last year competing was super frustrating to me because I, being biased, coming off an ACL rehab surgery, all that stuff, being on my bike for a total of two months and then podiuming my first event in Croatia. And then out of the five stops, I rode four and qualified points wise to be top 10 overall. Mm. I thought that would give me an invite for the next year's qualification for X Games because they started doing that again. They brought that yeah. back those years. We're going to have qualifiers. Mm-hmm. And then based on that, adding into the previous year's top three or six, whatever they did, we'll have you know a final X sure. Games performance. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get an invite. But then I noticed that other riders that don't even compete in that division were getting invited. Interesting. But then they were on the same energy drink sponsor as some of the sponsors of the X Games. And then I started to notice Mm. it's becoming a show. It's Mm. not. There's definitely the people that belong there are there. Yeah. I didn't perform as well as some of those guys. But when you're looking at that discipline of competition... Uh, there was no reason I shouldn't have been invited to the qualifier. So I get a little salty. And I've seen that transition, like you mentioned. There is incentives for people that are sponsoring the event. And then brand managers are involved. And then you got all this and that going on. It's, it's kind about of, driving dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Where where did you place your first time? Uh, at X Games? Mm-hmm. I think 14th out of 20. Okay. Funny story about that. <laughs> I was influenced by one of probably top three I won't say his name for many reasons, but very good person, but just different perspective of partying and riding. Mm. And I just was like looking up to this icon that yeah, sure. I was renting a room from his house and then traveling with him. Vans was paying for all our uh, flights, hotels, and just sending us everywhere. And then I got wrapped up in it and mm. like I showed up hungover to my debut X Games Ugh. photo from my ID. Oh. I missed the first part of practice because I was about to throw up. Ugh. And my only goal that year Killer. was to just not get last place Yeah. Mm. before all that. Yeah. And then somehow ended up doing six spots better. Yeah, even sure. Though I was hungover the day before, missed practice and all that. Yeah. Not proud of it, but I also wrote Less a learned. massive brain tumor that I didn't know about yep. in X Games. So right. wow. things could have been worse, and I'm very fortunate to have had that experience and to have learned from it. So I want to get into that mm-hmm. a little bit, but before we do, a, a couple other questions. One, is X Games even the big event for professional BMX, or is... Are there other events that are bigger? That's just the one we hear about because it's promoted on ESPN. So (laughs) simply, no, X Games is not. I'm going to explain that in a second. Sure. But now that the Olympics have welcomed BMX Freestyle, Mm -hmm. and and BMX is racing and freestyle, 
I think flatland is technically part of freestyle. Okay. Freestyle is the tricks. Yeah. Racing is yeah. racing. They've yeah. been in for the last three Olympics. Mm-hmm. So right now, this we're not looking at Instagram or anything like that right now until we go home and watch the replay. This morning in France, they had the one of the last World Cup championships, which is the last qualifier for points for mm. two, for the Olympic Games. Two months is the Olympics now? Yeah, just yeah. postponed it. So now Olympics is it. Now yeah. that we're in it and hopefully it sticks, that's going to be everything. Maybe not financially, but... But also I mean, depending on the athlete too, there's also a, a huge core of BMX athletes that don't even consider themselves athletes. They don't They're compete. Like, I'm a rider. That's, yeah, yeah. Know, different discipline. That. Yeah, that's the so, street riding yeah. or even the dirt jumps. There's a, like sure. a trail scene. Yeah. Like These dudes live to dig dirt jumps and sculpt them. They're, mm-hmm. they're art in the woods. But even some of the and guys they that don't ride, compete like vert or big air and stuff like that like they're like x games is my event that's they, what i do if the olympics had vert right. or mega ramp they'd yeah, be there exactly yeah. it's just the, so in action sports you have the competitors then you have the disciplines and then you have the non-competitors okay. that do whatever they film video yeah. parts mostly is like what they're in or they Those don't care guys. about exposure they don't care about brands they just dig trails and they ride they drink beers build a fire it's, yeah. it's they amazing. They camp out there for days and yeah. create like fun. beautiful like yeah. tri- and it, it's art. It really is. It's mm. incredible. So like, X Games so now, it's the most known because it's mm-hmm. what's made BMX right. and action sports to the level it is today. It's what made Dave Muir a household name. TJ Lavin, Matt Hoffman, Tony Hawk, mm-hmm. and, like all these guys. But they need it, to get their stuff together. I, so if you look at like an X Games BMX park course, it's completely different than if you go to the main event, which would I would consider it fees before. Well, that's what I was going to say. The Next, Olympics. there's other series yeah. that are action sports. So well, X that's, Games that's, is owned by Disney. Right? Yeah, that's like X Games is. That's what I was asking. Was are every sport has its premier venue? So right. Super Bowl for football yep. and the World Series. What is that one event or the the what is the big one for action sports? It's still X Games. It's still X Games. Okay, I just the people that are enthusiasts of BMX know about the Fees World Series, which is yeah. the last year I competed was in that series. Um, now it'll be the Olympics. Sure. If it sticks after this one. But it's still going to be X Games for some time. It used to be Do Tour, actually. Do Action Sports Tour. That was a five-stop series mm-hmm. around the country. That you were starting on Starting in 06. Yeah. And then I got in 07 in the amateur <laughs> series. So that was... Do Tour was probably the best event for action sports from my perspective because they had the Do Tour. That was the pro level. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. they had the free flow due tour, which was the amateurs. I got exposed in that. It gave me the ability to qualify for the open qualifiers for the pro level the next year. But then they went away with BMX mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. But yeah, so it depends on, are you talking about the general population? <laughs> right. That's X Games. Well, no, for, uh, I mean for the athletes, for, it's yeah. the Fees World Series. Okay. Okay. And now with the Olympics, Fees has turned into the World Championship Tour, World Cup Series. They have UCI yeah. events, so it's because they're doing a points. Yeah, so yeah. It's, if you're in, if your goal is the Olympics, it's any event involving points. If your goal is just to compete, and Fees is the premier competitive in the freestyle discipline of park riding, like the ramps. Yeah, X Games could be for the dudes. Tom Dugan rode X Games one year, and he is not a competitive rider. Yeah. He just happens to meet the style that the course has changed into, which is a whole dramatic thing about the skateboarders taking charge and BMX being like, oh, we'll just let you guys do whatever because mm-hmm. finance has always been an issue in BMX. So there's a lot of avenues there, but yeah. X Games is probably still the premiere with Olympics shortly yep. taking over. 
So what what events did you compete in? All the core events I could go to in BMX, people probably never heard of them. But then yeah. there was... What, you know, what are those? So like Jomo Pro was the first contest I won. It was uh, in Joplin, Missouri. And it was mm. at this facility that was like a church-ran action sports, like one of the best public parks back in the day as well as like basketball court like a daycare and like all these things but it was in joplin missouri they called it the jomo pro contest mm. that's what kind of I, put my name on the map competitively let me rephrase the question there's different events in bmx like there's ramp right there, oh yeah half pipe or so i competed you know, in the park okay okay and okay. i did a couple contests in dirt okay um, but that was never really my my focus mine was like the ramps so park is uh, quarter pipes, the box jumps. Yeah, okay. Where they're stuff. flowing around all over the Doing place or like in the spinning. bowl, like at X Games. Mm. So the bowl is like, I think of the bowl, I think of an empty pool. Yeah. Yeah. That's so what like that, that is. Right. Yeah. But then I've seen the other one where they've got the the rail set up or you're going downstairs or. So that depends know, on the discipline. That's more that's skateboarding like or the street aspect of yeah, BMX. So what, what I wrote yeah. in is like you have the traditional quarter pipe. The mm-hmm. big box jump in the middle. You see the backflip, mm-hmm. so the spins, the tail whips, and then you have like angled transition ramps and the spine, which is the up and down ramp. Yeah. But then you'd have the bowl, which is a whole different discipline. Then you'd have the half pipe, which right. is its own it's crazy. thing. This is ramp, all so. freestyle. Like yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's it's what super I love confusing. And yeah. I think like, that's one of the. So I think that's dope. Yeah. I think it's one of the drawbacks Shows to the sport yes. expanding yeah. though, because there's within BMX you have freestyle, which has eight categories. Yeah. And then you have racing. Yeah. yeah. Racing is so simple and the family can do it together yes. and they have so much coverage. They've been treating themselves like athletes for years. Yes. But then in BMX freestyle, you have, are you a street rider? Are you a dirt rider? Are you a ramp rider? Are you a park rider? Yes. Are you a vert All rider, a mega ramp rider? Or yeah. are you this or that? And it's just, it's got so complex that people, and then people don't even know why did that guy win and not him? Cause he or she did that and they did this and what, they fell and they still won, but that guy did all, it's just, there's so much to it. It's not simply that guy crossed the line first. That guy right. or that girl got the ball in the hoop more times. Yeah, it's, it's easier to it's understand. So it's transitioning from like way of life into sport, though, as yeah. far as the public view. Mm-hmm. And it was really like being an athletic trainer working with BMX. It was tough because being at the training facility where Josh and I met, I would encounter athletes like Josh and athletes like Daniel Dares and Nick Bruce and Daniel Sandoval, who are all like really huge competitors in BMX. And then you'd have the guys where I was like, Hey, you probably shouldn't just drink Coca-Cola while you're riding. <laughs> yeah. Take your cigarette wow. breaks further away from the children, please. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Wow. And so it's like That was mostly yeah. the Russians that came uh. like, They just chain smoked all day. And I think fair. it helped them. I don't know. Like Or they, just like the core guys from North Carolina yeah. that just came out. They drove up or drove down from Virginia Beach. But you gotta or remember BMX so had this a stigma with making money and selling yeah. out. Yeah. And Dave Miro, who like if it wasn't for him, the sport I don't think would be where it is today yeah. in terms of like publicity, money, and opportunity. Sure. But even back then, he was taking X, Y, and Z deals, and the core riders were like, "Oh, we're just doing it for the fun, but yeah. it's not cool to be broke." But like, you're selling out. And actually, Ryan like shared a, on the podcast yeah. a little bit about how Mira was insecure about that because he gave everything to BMX. Like, it, he lived for mm-hmm. it. If, like, it, there's no doubt about it. He loved it. But then he felt like he got so much negativity from like the core aspect of riders because oh you're selling out and it's no I'm doing what I love why making, not get five hundred from yeah. Sam Jim to and wear a sticker on my helmet up, you know? right yeah. Yeah. and now he's got yeah his family's taken care of you yeah. Know? yeah exactly yes oh. so, yeah 
All right. So I know that you guys have a hard stop. We're very thankful of you guys yes, for coming for in here. Some of your Monday to spend with us. It was great and very enlightening. And the stories are just insane. And I'm sure they just keep coming and coming, which is why we need you on again. For myself, Clint, Mr. Dre over here on the Behind the Curtain and the Dom. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Appreciate all you right. all. And until next time, folks, we are the Schmoes. We'll see you. Cut to the theme music. <laughs>